Welcome to All Saints Community Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. We are a community of worship and formation on mission with Jesus. Our desire for you as you listen is to be transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit as we read the scriptures and to be mobilized to actively bring God's kingdom to the earth. For more information on who we are, visit allsaintsokc.org or follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at ASCCOKC. It's good to be together on Good Friday. Those of you that were here on Good Friday, we came together to focus on the cross, to focus on Christ crucified. We talked about doing that so that we would be prepared for the empty tomb on Sunday. And we praise the Lord that hidden in the mystery of the cross is the mystery of the resurrection of Jesus. You know me, I like these ancient Christians and one of them who was writing in the fourth century, a guy named Saint Cyril of Jerusalem said this, I confess the cross because I know of the resurrection. And so friends, we do, we wanna dwell with Good Friday and the agony of that, the bleakness of the cross so that when Sunday comes, we can celebrate him. And today we're going to take a few minutes to look at Christus Victor. Let's say that together. Christus Victor basically means that Christ is the victor. Christ is the conqueror. And it highlights the fact that Jesus has conquered everything that opposes God and God's plan of salvation. Everything. And so today we're going to take a few minutes to look, and I want to say up front that we're looking at the cross, we're looking at the resurrection of Jesus, but really all of this started with the incarnation of Jesus. When he entered the womb of Mary, the incarnation, his life, his ministry, his death, his resurrection, his ascension is all one part of God's plan of salvation, isn't it, church? And so we are going to look at a number of things that Jesus is victorious over. Now, before we do this, and I I think it matters that we don't have just kind of a shallow view of this. I want to go deep for a few minutes. What we're looking at, Jesus Christ, the conquering king, Christus Victor, is one of many different descriptions we find in the scriptures of Jesus and what happened on the cross. And we're familiar with some of them. One of them is substitutionary atonement, right? That's one that many Protestants and Catholics, for that matter, are familiar with. The idea that through the death of Christ, our sins are covered. All human beings have sinned. We're separated from God because of our sin. And Christ died as our substitute and bore the judgment of God and transforms that into grace and mercy for us. Substitutionary atonement is one angle that the scriptures teach, but friends, it's not the only angle. I I liken what happened on the cross and the resurrection to a diamond, and that's just one facet of the diamond. And oftentimes, frankly, that's the one that we hear the most about, but there are many other facets to that diamond of the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Another 
especially the Gospel of Luke teaches this, that Christ's death on the cross actually exerts moral influence over people, that his work on the cross touches human hearts and transforms us to love as he loved, to serve as he served. And so it has moral and ethical influence on us. What we're looking at today, Christus Victor explains that Christ conquered a number of things through his death and his resurrection. Amen? The first thing I want us to look at is through his death and resurrection, Jesus has conquered Satan and demons. The first place that we find this early, early on in the book is in Genesis 3.15. Theologians call this the first gospel. The big word they use is proto-evangelium. It's the first mention of the gospel. You can look in your Bible if you want, Genesis 3.15. This is God speaking to the serpent and making a promise. And listen to what God said. Genesis 3.15, the first gospel mentioned in the whole of Scripture. The episode has just happened in the garden. Adam and Eve have listened to the serpent. And now God says this, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring or your seed and hers. And catch this, he will strike your head and you will strike his heel. And so what we have from the beginning of the story in Scripture, the biblical story, is the fact that Satan and humans are going to be battling it out. But one day, the promised Messiah would come, the seed that was promised to Abraham and Sarah, and he would strike the serpent on the head. Now look at 1 John 3, 8. This is later in the New Testament, the end of the story. And we read the Apostle John says this, 1 John 3, 8, toward the end of your Bible. Again, it will be on a slide up here, but I love for you to open your own Bible. There's pew Bibles. Grab a hold of it. 1 John 3.8, listen to what the Apostle John says. With Genesis 3.15 in mind, the Son of God was revealed for this purpose. What's your Bible say? To destroy the works of the devil. So this is part of Jesus' three-pronged attack through his incarnation He's going to destroy the works of the devil. Through his life, his ministry, his death, he is going to destroy the works of the devil. Through his resurrection and his ascension, he is going to destroy the works of the devil. It's a glorious thing, isn't it? Jesus goes on to say in the Gospels, you can see this in Mark 3 especially. Again, I've got it up here for you to see. Jesus explains as he's proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, the good news of the kingdom of God, the rule and reign of God that saves sinners and sets people free. Listen to what Jesus says. People are asking questions. He's driving demons out of people. He's healing the sick. And Jesus says, no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his property without first tying up the strong man. Then, indeed, the house can be plundered. So, friends, Christ came into the world through his incarnation, his life, his ministry, and he bound 
the strong man. He bound the prince of the world and plundered and redeemed people like Megan, like you, like me. Jesus goes on to say in Luke 11, further about his ministry and destroying the works of the devil, crushing the head of Satan. Listen to what Jesus says. And friends, I want us to think this isn't something that he was talking about 2,000 years ago. He does this stuff today. He can do this stuff in your life today. Listen to what he says. Luke eleven twenty. He's explaining again. He's always having to explain himself. People are asking him questions. What are you doing? Many are accusing him of actually being demonized. You're crazy. You're a magician. And Jesus says, no, no, no. It is by the finger of God, by the power of God, that I cast out demons. And the kingdom of God is coming upon you, he says. Then he goes on to repeat what Mark said. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his castle, his property is safe. But when one stronger, and he's saying, that is me, comes and attacks him and overpowers him, He takes away his armor in which he trusted and divides his plunder. Friends, when we celebrate the cross, we celebrate the fact, the reality that Jesus has come. He has bound the strong man, his enemy, and he is plundering his house. He's taking back what is rightfully his. Amen? Psalm 2 says that the nations belong to Jesus and that the Father will give him the nations through his death and his resurrection. Look very quickly at John 12. This is a passage that we read on Good Friday, John 12, 30 through 33. Jesus is going to explain what happens when he's lifted up on the cross. John 12, 30 says this. Jesus answered, this voice has spoken, a voice had spoken, For their sake, not for mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be driven out. And I, when I'm lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. And then he said this to indicate the kind of death by which he would die. So friends, the prince of this world, the temporary landlord, is being ousted through the cross, through the resurrection of Jesus. So Jesus came, he's defeated Satan and his demons. A second thing, this is glorious, we were celebrating this this morning. A second thing that Jesus conquers through his cross and through his resurrection is sin. We know from the Gospels, it's why it's so important when you read in Matthew 4 and Luke 4 and other places, the enemy came to Jesus and tempted him, didn't he? Thoroughly came. Can you imagine having Satan in the flesh come and tempt you? for a month. That's what Jesus endured. And Jesus responded with fasting and with prayer and he resisted the enemy at every point so that he might fulfill God's plan of salvation. Then Hebrews, the book of Hebrews goes on to explain chapter 217. Look at it. And the conquering of sin. Listen to this. Hebrews 217. Therefore, Jesus had to become like his brothers and sisters in every respect so that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God 
to make a sacrifice of atonement for the sins of his people. Look at Colossians 2. It explains it a little bit more. Again, what I'm trying to do is give us a glimpse of the glory of the, cro- the cross and the resurrection. Are you seeing it a little bit? Maybe seeing it in a new light? Colossians 2, the Apostle Paul says this at verses 13 through 15. You there? Some of you with your Bibles? Paul speaking to the church at Colossus says this, And when you were dead in trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive together with him when he forgave us all our trespasses, erasing the record that stood against us with its legal demands. He set this aside, nailing it to the cross. That's just part of the story. Then look at verse 15. Then Christ disarmed the rulers and authorities and made a public example of them, triumphing over them in it. Some of you remember the painting that Luke Dixon painted a few months ago and it's hanging outside the sanctuary here. It portrays this exact thing, that Christ has nailed to the cross the debt that you and I owe, a debt that we couldn't pay. Christ took it nailed it to the cross, and through his sinless sacrifice, he brings us to the Father. He reconciles us to God. That is one beautiful aspect of the gospel. Would you agree, church? I mean, we could go on and on about what happened through the cross of Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.21, the apostle Paul says this, and we saw previously that Paul called himself the chief of sinners. He said, I'm the greatest sinner in world history, and listen to what he says. 2 Corinthians 5.21 is a pretty good deal here. For our sake, he made him, Christ, to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. It's a pretty good deal, isn't it? A great exchange. You and I get to take our sin. Christ nails it to the cross gives us a new start, makes us righteous, reconciles us with the Father, and makes us righteous. It's glorious. A third thing that Christ does through his crucifixion and his resurrection is he conquers sickness and disease. Do you believe that? He conquers sickness and disease. Look at Matthew 8 here. Matthew 8. And actually, I'm going to just read this very quickly. Christ conquers sickness and disease. Jesus is entering into Peter's house. He heals someone. He cures all who are sick. He casts out demons. And then Matthew is using that moment, and he explains from Scripture what Christ does. And he quotes from Isaiah 53, 4, and he says this. He took our infirmities and bore our diseases. So Christ does many things, including conquering sickness and disease. Some people will ask, is there healing in the atonement? Is there healing in the cross? And my response is, where else does it come from? Is there healing in the atonement? Matthew thinks so. This can be a touchy subject, especially in 2023, because we're so deconstructed and scientific and postmodern. Jesus still 
heals the sick. Jesus still has power over sickness and disease. Do you agree, church? Therefore, in obedience to Scripture, we lay hands on the sick and we pray for them. Now, some of you, like me, are frustrated at times that the Lord doesn't heal as often as we like or I want to see him do it all the time. Nonetheless, in obedience to the Lord and to the Word of God, we lay our hands on the sick as disciples of Jesus and then we leave it to him whether he heals or not. Amen? But we do that because Christ has died and he has power over sickness and disease. Quickly here, a fourth thing. Jesus has conquered the world. I'm going to explain that in a moment here. We looked previously in John 12, 31 that Jesus said through his cross, he drove out the ruler of this world. And when we talk about Jesus conquering the world, what do we mean? The world literally means all that opposes God. The systems, the organizations, the empires, all of these things Christ has overcome through the blood of his cross. What a word for us today. Christ has overcome this crazy world. And we're seeing it increasingly oppose Christ and the kingdom of God. But friends, if you're a follower of Jesus, you are firmly situated in the best place that you possibly can be. Christ has overcome the world. No matter how much it resists, no matter how much it spits in the face of God and God's truth, the church says as we hold up the Christ, hold up the cross, Christ has conquered the world. Amen. The final thing here then we're going to have a bit of ministry to respond. Christ is victorious over death. We've seen in Hebrews 2 that Jesus shared our flesh and blood so that he might destroy the devil and death. Now, I don't think we think about this enough. Sometimes we just kind of gloss over that. Every single thing that you face that the enemy brings your way, Every single thing Christ had to face in his own soul, he had to resist it all. Think about that. There is not a sin that he cannot come alongside you and identify with that and walk you through resisting the devil and giving you power. Have you thought about that? Every, this is not vague. This is very specific to human nature, to everything that faces us. He comes and sympathizes with us and walks through that and gives us victory through the Holy Spirit. Hebrews 2.14 says this, Since therefore children share flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared the same things so that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil. At his first coming, Christ began to conquer death. And then look at 1 Corinthians 15, 21 through 22. This is a great mystery, but he will have the final victory over death. 1 Corinthians 15, this is the great chapter on the resurrection, the resurrection of Jesus, but then it goes into our resurrection. He's the first fruits. Look at verses 21 through 22. Jesus having victory over death. 
Paul's explaining it. For since death came through a human being, the resurrection of the dead has also come through a human being. For as all die in Adam, so all will be made alive in Christ. And then look down, verses 23 through 25. But each will be resurrected in his own order. Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father. After he has destroyed every ruler and every authority and every power, for he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. Friends, Christ did his first coming, put this in motion through his own death, his own resurrection, but one day all death will be subjected to him and his people will be raised from the dead. Amen? Why don't we stand? So Brock, what does this mean for us? You see the richness of his incarnation, his crucifixion, his resurrection. It means many things. We saw in baptism, means death to sin, victory over sin, newness of life. And I sense there may be some of you here today as you hear this, you hear Megan's testimony, you hear the singing, the praising of the Lord, you need newness of life. You need forgiveness of sins. You need Jesus to step into your life and show that he's victorious over the things that you need him to be victorious over. So I want to give you an opportunity. We're going to just take a moment here. No pressure. But I want you to be able to look into your own heart right now. I want you to talk to God. Turn to God. Maybe you're carrying some serious baggage today. You've got some darkness and you need to invite Jesus into that place. You need to reach out to him. Scripture says everyone who calls on the name of the Lord Jesus will be saved. So why don't you close your eyes, if that's you, call out to the Lord Jesus. Simply reach out to him. Lord Jesus, I reach out to you. I call on you. I need you to save me. Maybe that's the first time you've done that. Maybe you need to get resaved today. What do I mean by that? Life is a series of God saving you from yourself and from sin over and over again. So friends, do not leave today without doing business with the Lord, without letting him love you and save you and rescue you and drive darkness from your life. I'm going to ask the ministry team to come up.